0: Well, on this episode of MSU Today, we're going to discuss one of the jewels at Michigan State University, and that's the W.J. Beale Botanical Garden and Campus Arboretum, which happens in 2023 to be celebrating its 150th anniversary on the campus. And we're going to do so with the interim director of the garden, Alan Prather, the education director of the garden, Maeve Bassett, and a student who takes advantage of the garden and loves it too is Lauren Campbell. So it's great to welcome you all to MSU today.
1: Thanks Thanks for for having us. Thanks for having us.
0: Alan, why don't we start and, and
2: introduce yourselves a little more than I did and kind of your role with the garden. Yeah, sure. So I have been on campus for 25 years. I'm a professor in plant biology and I've run the MSU Herbarium during all that time. So I have a long connection with plants, of course. I study plant biodiversity for a career, Um, but about a year and a half or two years ago, I was asked to be interim director at the garden. So during the last couple of years, that's what I've been doing is is helping lead the garden through some times of change and through this fantastic celebratory year. And follow the legend Frank Taluski, right? (laughs) Yes, big (laughs) shoes, and I have tiny feet, but I'm doing my best.
0: (laughs) And Maeve, tell us more about you, please.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm relatively new to campus as well as Michigan. I've been here since January of 2023, but I'm not new to botanical gardens. I have been working in botanical gardens and museums for about 10 years now, all around my specialty, which is kind of weird. It's called ethnobotany. I come from an anthropological background studying the relationship between people and plants. So my goal is that anyone that walks into the garden, whether they're a math major, they're a Cold War assassination specialist, I can find some way to get them interested in plants. That's my entire goal. And so I do that. I do a lot of education. And then I'm also helping supervise and mentor the uh, Beale Scholar program as well.
0: And Lauren, tell us about you. What year are you in, student? Why do you? Why are you involved with the garden, and how are you?
3: I am going into my senior year, and I am an entomology student. I'm one of the Beale Scholars. I am a pollination scholar, so it goes hand-in-hand hand with me getting my degree in entomology.
0: <laughs> so we need those pollinators you're cr- helping to create or attract more, are you? Or?
3: Yes, oh. we're making a pollinator garden in the garden and i have been helping out with that this past summer
0: let's say a little bit more alan about your role as director what are are some of the things you do
2: so I think I have the easiest job in the world, Russ. All I do is sit around and enable the brilliant people at Beale to do their jobs. Um, so I think the biggest stuff happening at the Garden is related to us moving to the Provost office about two oh. years ago. Um, we were in IPF for a long time. Great relationships with that group, and it was a fantastic place to be. But being with in the Provost office, in University Arts and Collections specifically, has given us... Um, a stronger focus on academics. So now we can have a tighter, richer role with the scholarship and, and learning on campus. And okay. so that's kind of the, the things I've been trying to facilitate.
0: And Maeve, as education director, talk about some of the programs, who, who you educate, who it's for just MSU people or anyone.
1: Anyone. So one of my goals has been really to broaden the scope of who feels welcome and who wants to come to programming at the garden. So along my personal interests, I'm delving into weirder side of plants, darker side of plants, but also working a lot more with university professors, working with plant sciences, yes, um, who have been using the garden for a long time, but also reaching out a lot more to the social sciences and Lyman Briggs and helping them utilize the garden and the stories of these plants in order to facilitate and get their students excited and actually get them out of the classroom and into the garden so ranging from music well-being history uh, I did a class on stinging nettles and we made tea so a little bit of everything
0: and Lauren tell me more about the pollinator garden
1: it is a
3: new feature to the garden this year i don't know if you've been to the gardens but it's on the right side of the staircase okay and it's new this summer but what i'm doing is i am looking at the plants that are in the garden already and already in the pollinator garden that we have placed and seeing how much they are visited by native pollinators it's really focused on native pollinators instead of honeybees, which is really cool because I feel like a lot of people, when they think of bees, they think honeybees, which are from Europe. They're not native here. and
0: Did not know that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's really nice to learn about the bees that come to the garden, what plants they like to visit, when they visit them, what parts of the year.
0: Yeah, that is cool. So, Alan, we mentioned 1873, the garden first started a little bit sort of on the history of the history, the, the beginning, the history and how the mission is evolving even today.
2: Yeah, thanks for asking that question, Russ. That's a great question. Um, One of the really fantastic things about the history of the garden is just the fact that it's tied so tightly to the history of campus, right? From not the very beginning, but pretty close to the very beginning, the garden was established and was situated right in the heart of campus at that time. And it's still, if not the literal heart, at least the figurative heart of campus. We're right along the Red Cedar River. We are right situated between the main library and the I Am Circle, um, ideal location right across from the sacred space and right across from Beaumont Tower. You couldn't ask for a better location. Um, so part of what we're trying to do this year is honor that history of the garden. If you think about um, this garden in particular, the legacy goes back, even of course, to to pre-campus because it was this area was occupied by Native Americans before campus. Um, it's the our focus on native plants. I think helps honor that history, um, but also Beale's history. When Beale established uh, the garden on the south side of the circle, where the main garden is now, um, he did it expressly to provide a place where native plants could be. Um, Honored, maintained, and grown for educational enjoyment purposes. He made a comment that um, during his time growing up in Michigan, he noticed that more and more agriculture was forcing more and more native plants out of their habitats. There was no room left for that to happen, and he felt like if he didn't take action, um, some of those might be lost. And so he kind of brought a conservation focus to the garden from the very beginning, and that's something we're trying to to honor and refocus on by rewilding the garden. Can we talk a little bit about how you're going to celebrate
0: and honor uh, the Garden's 150th anniversary? It's it's ongoing, but September
2: 13th, tell us about it. Yeah, so September 13th, 3 o'clock, be there, be square. We're looking forward to seeing you there, Russ. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start a whole day full of festivities to, to to celebrate the anniversary. But I'm actually going to pitch that to Maeve because Mae's involved in the planning and she'll be able to tell us more about it. Great.
1: Yeah, essentially what we wanted to do is we wanted to create an event that represented all the different ways that people engage with a garden. You can like plants and enjoy the garden for its beauty or its research, but you can also not have a lot of interest in plants and go to the garden just to relax as well. So we kind of created a multi-session event from three to five is going to be a lot of the really crazy concentrated events there's going to be. an entire well-being area in Sleepy Hollow, just over the side of the road. And that's going to have therapy dogs. That's going to have different programming. We're going to have history tours by our amazing history scholar. We're going to be having a drawing that includes um, football game tickets. So hopefully that will draw some new people in. And we're also going to be planting 150 native plants alongside the red cedar riverbank as part of our restoration efforts because we really want to let people know and make sure that they know that this is their garden as well so they can contribute and they can plant and help us with this restoration and development of the garden.
0: And say more about the restoration project, right? Because I think people can donate if they're interested.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we, you can donate for the restoration of the Red Cedar River. We're doing it all along the entire river. Wow. But a lot of our most picturesque. The coolest uh, ones
0: are staying stuff in Beale. The that people see
1: the most is right next to Beale because that's what we, we do right. a tour and I always have to walk people by and be like, look at all the cool stuff. So we'll really, people will be able to contribute to that. And then that will kind of wrap up and then we'll have some remarks. Oh yeah, I forgot Sparty will be there. Oh, yeah. So that's very important. I'm Remember, I'm new to Michigan so <laughs> I gotta remember the important points. Um, but there's going to be some remarks. There's going to be a commemorative tree planting and And that's going to then turn over into the raffle. And then we're going to end the entire event with a concert by the College of Music. And they have specifically designed a lineup of songs that correlate with different important parts of Beale Botanical Gardens history. So the first song is from 1873 and it goes all the way up. I think the most recent song they're going to play at the end is from 2019. So it's going to be really cool.
0: And what makes a garden a botanical garden?
1: Botanical gardens are, (laughs) this is one of the things that I love and I'm fascinated by, but they've kind of fallen out of people's view. They are a living museum. They're a living collection. They combine a lot of people's passions, but also it's always based off of research. It always has Mm -hmm. a foundation of research, which has been, since I've moved to this garden as a job, it's been one of the things that I'm most absolutely proud of. From the pollinator garden being all research-based and focused on continuously adapting to make sure it's as effective as possible, to all our well-being programs and making sure those are based off of current horticulture therapy and well-being research. Anything we do, we want to make sure that it has a foundation in science and research and It's as effective as possible.
0: The MSU way, yes, for sure. Land-grant philosophy. Mm -hmm. Lauren, do you find that is the Beale Gardens sort of on the student body's radar? and, And what would you like to say to your fellow students about the garden?
3: I think that Beale Gardens is certainly underrated, for students that aren't majoring in some of the plant related sciences or in entomology because a lot of entomology students go to the gardens to collect bugs and stuff and it's a really beautiful part of campus but since it's so far down in between the library most people sort of pass it by and they don't go there I feel like hopefully this 150th event will draw more people in and more people will start to appreciate the garden a lot more students hopefully
0: especially when they're right there at the library then when you need a little study break come on out to the garden so well what about i know sustainability is very important for the garden's future we certainly want to honor the past what about some both challenges and opportunities moving forward how do you want to evolve the mission
2: for the next 150 years? Well, one thing we're trying to do (laughs) is make the garden um, both more sustainable, but also a little more inspiring. I like to think we're we're kind of have an informal mission statement now, which is we illuminate the interconnectedness between people, plants, and place. And all those three things really encapsulate. The garden, right? I mean, of course there's plants there, um, but they're not just any plants. Of course there are people there, but of course it's the very best people, right? And the place of Beale is so special. Um, that w- Those three things can come together in a way that can't happen anyplace else. So we're hoping when we, for instance, model some sustainable practices, that that actually will turn into inspiration for people to take our practices and put them out, and and just make the world a better place, right? That we're we're looking to activate our public, not just entertain or educate them, but actually we're you know we're hoping to change the world through what we can do in the garden. It's an honor to work there, and we want to just highlight that.
1: Well, one thing I wanted to ask Lauren is. Has it been weird being working in a botanical garden as an entomologist? It's I think a lot of people <laughs> think that only botanists, only plant nerds can work at a botanical garden. But what have you, how has your experience been in that?
3: I definitely think it's given me a different experience than most entomology students get. Since we go to such a special university, And they have the entomology major, which not many do. And we have a beautiful and historic botanical garden. I've gotten to experience both. And they go hand in hand. I mean, you can't have flowers without them being pollinated sometimes by insects. And insects and plants have a really close relationship. They sort of depend on each other. And it's really interesting to see as an entomology major and to talk to the other scholars who are more uh, plant-based about plants and talk to them about insects. And it's been a really cool exchange of ideas.
1: It's been fascinating to learn from Lauren as well. And that's one of the reasons I love botanical gardens is... Every single discipline out there can have some role in a botanical garden. We currently have a few communications people. We have a dedicated historian. We have a videographer. And I would love to see a math major, a some really, a marketing. I'd really love to see somebody that thinks they have absolutely no relationship to botanical gardens come in and do something cool. Because, With the scholars program, and it's been an absolute pleasure to work with these students, we had about 19 over the summer, the biggest we've ever had, and my role is to help them build out their portfolio, what do they want to learn, what can they accomplish, and how can I help them, so a lot of them are doing projects, and that can be anything. Lauren is doing her pollination garden, but one of my education scholars created a scavenger hunt that was completely based off of um, the Legend of Zelda video <laughs> games, and you can have uh, students doing everything. We have students all the time out removing invasive plants, and so there's all these different things, and it's not—it doesn't just end there because of the all the expertise in our office. I've been working with. A lot of our dedicated botany students um, or plant sciences or forestry and wildlife to help them with their education so how do you translate what you're doing to everybody and so through that that is going to then transfer to them finding a job but also broader implications of letting the entire wor- world know why invasive species removal is important so it, it- feels like a pleasure to be working yeah. with them and then them pushing them out into the world.
0: Well, you know, the passion you all have for the garden is palpable. I mean, tell me where that comes from. Where does your passion for this work and particularly the garden come from?
3: Uh, I, I've always just grown up loving to be outside, looking at bugs, looking at plants, trying to ID both of them. I've been more successful at the bugs, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. But coming here and... The first time I found the Botanical Garden, I was just amazed I'd never seen anything like it. And I thought then I was like, if there's an opportunity to work here, I would love to. And it's just been amazing. And I've definitely felt the passion of the people that I work with and it's fueled my passion for the garden. And we're a great team working together to make the garden a better place for people on campus.
1: Um, I was raised by anthropologists all over the world, but so I I started to really get an appreciation for food as something that connects everybody. I always joke that I can, I speak menu in almost every (laughs) single language. And, uh, but it really then translated to plants and growing up in museums with my parents, I really started to realize that not everybody loved museums as much as I did, whether that's because of, um, elitism, racism, or just not necessarily understanding contemporary art, which is fair. (laughs) And so I found that botanical gardens were this intermediary where you, the collections weren't behind a red velvet fence. You could touch them, you could taste them, you could smell them, you could talk about uh, boiling brussels sprouts and how they smell like farts and that's completely (laughs) acceptable in a tour and so being able to broach this subject and i always joke that my favorite audience member is the boyfriend who's been dragged along and has no interest in plants whatsoever if i can get them leaving the tour saying that was so cool that was so exciting then i I feel like i've won and you win yes it's just a great way to relate to anyone from any background.
0: So cool. Alan, what about your passion for the garden?
1: Yeah,
2: my passion for the garden, of course, stems from my love right. of plants, which, like Maeve, I grew up with. But um, it's also inspired by my my long time here at MSU. I mean, the garden has always been so visible, um, so important on campus, not just in my 25 years, but you know, for the one hundred and fifty years it's yep. been here, um, and to me, it really represents an opportunity to actually make an impact as as a professor you know we don't often get to see the change we manifest, but in the garden, we can every there's you know direct tangible rewards from so much that we do um, and being able to work with this fantastic team has given me so much pleasure, mostly because I get to see their successes. So, you know, I'll point to Lauren's work. Her work is actually going to guide how we develop the pollinator garden in the future. If we've planted things that aren't working, we'll be able to make a decision. No, let's change that. So, so you know, sort of enabling Lauren to come to the garden and help us make this garden better. has been a fantastic experience. Maeve mentioned our digital storyteller um, and He actually is going to be part of an exhibit in the Broad uh, starting in September. On September 8th, there's an exhibit opening about the the garden in the lobby of the Broad. And Ethan's um, video, which has different people telling their relationship with the garden. So we're trying to bring outside voices into Uh. our our legacy, our history. Um, It's going to be right there in the lobby for people to see. So just watching that happen has made me really proud to be associated with this fantastic group of people.
1: Yeah, Russell, let me add that one of the things that we're really trying to push is that the garden doesn't have to be a place where you're maybe dragged there by a class. We want this to be a place of joy, of relaxation, of well-being. And so through that, we've kind of taken a few different initiatives. One of our biggest was the Nurture Your Roots was and is the Nurture Your Roots program. It's an installation throughout the garden where there are different stations by benches that are Different grounding techniques, different well-being techniques. So, for example, one may be meditation, but if you're like me and can't sit still for more than 20 seconds, maybe that's (laughs) not the one for you, but you can move a bench down, and there's Pilates or there's poetry. And so we want to make sure that people feel like they can come to the garden to relax and to just be present and enjoy that. One other way to do that too is if that's not really your thing is you can come for a movie. It's so in- I I miss the times I I'm not that old, but I still miss the times of uh, going to the drive-in and being able to watch a movie while bats fly overhead. And we want to emulate that. And so every evening and Thursday on in September this month, we're going to be having a screen on the green, so movie nights. And then we should be having also in October movie nights in the library as well. But that's going to be a little bit of my twist, that's going to be uh, old horror movies where plants are the villains. <laughs> so I had to get a little bit of weirdness in that's there, right,
0: too. yes. Uh, well, it's the W.J. Beale Botanical Garden and Campus Arboretum at Michigan State University, a jewel on the campus celebrating 150 years on the campus. Of September 13th is a day you might want to come and visit the campus. A lot more that we've talked about, and if you want to support the garden or the uh, Project along the river, the restoration project. Beale Botanical Garden. dot dot edu is the place. Beale Botanical And thank you all so much for telling us about it today. Thank you, thank you for thank having you, us. Thank you.